Hey Pelicans fans, welcome back. Hey Hoops fans, basketball fanatics, we got something for you. This next little conversation is between me, Coach Rory at Delgado, and my man Sasha Clarivasian. He's the founder of Music Movies and Hoops. They've getting, you know, they're getting press passes in there too nowadays. They got some stuff with the Mavericks on the site about how they jam out in the locker room and stuff like that. That's kind of how the angle they're going. But what follows here is just a conversation with me, Coach Roy, and Sasha about how what it takes to make it to the next level, whatever that next level may be. For some of y'all, it's high school, leaving from junior high, then it's JUCO, D1, D2, D3. But we talk about how the NBA Finals just had Jimmy Butler, who started at JUCO, Duncan Robinson, D3. And and we just wanted to get with Coach Rory because he's been doing the most. He's like, he's like one of the biggest movers and shakers in New Orleans when it comes to training players. I mean, he's going to have players in the NBA and WNBA as soon as next season, maybe, if not the season after that. But he, he's doing a lot of work. He's, he's doing a lot of moves. He's trying to make sure that these kids and these players, even in a pandemic, they got a place to go through player development, player training, get some practices in, get some runs in. And, that, I mean, anytime I see something like that, I would rather promote that positive stuff that's going on rather than focus on all that negativity from when the Pelicans lost a few games and that, that nonsense. That ain't worth it. What is worth it, to add one more little note, and I'm going to add this at the end, is that we're doing something with Crescent City Christian and Coach Dumas. Andrew Lopez over at ESPN did an article about him a few months back about how he saved the season. And when I read that, I started looking into some other things like cards for a cause. I'm into sports cards and sports trading. So we're going to run like a little auction. Maybe if y'all want to make an offer on it, we got some graded Zion rookie cards. Uh, it's all up at cards underscore crest underscore cleats on Instagram. You can check out pictures of all the, all the cards that's going to be given away, doing auctions. Whatever y'all want to. I mean, we're going to try and do a big package deal for these kids so they can really get some money out of it. But I'm trying to, I got too many cards. If anybody wants to make some offers and donate to the school, as long as it goes to a good cause, I'm willing to come off of them. But, I mean, we got them some goals already, some soccer equipment too, because Coach said they're trying to start some soccer stuff over at Crescent City. They just got football back. These kids need help. It's a smaller school in, in the city, but they got big dreams. So we're going to try and raise them up a good big old bank account worth of fundraising so that going into the summer and next school season hopefully we're out of this pandemic hopefully the kids can start going to camps and more showcase tournaments i just want to help promote that hopefully coach dumas is going to come off of one of these conversations i won't hold you up too much longer y'all thanks for coming back got some more pelican stuff coming to you i hope you get a lot out of this conversation i know i did and i mean i think everybody could from professional coaches all the way down to you know some junior high volunteers and then the players themselves to hear what's coming from college coaches what they looking for y'all keep looking for us give us a five-star review on any of your podcast apps it's greatly appreciated and again i'll drop another note about this auction and these graded mint zion rookie cards that's going to go to helping these kids at the end of the podcast and later on thanks again hope you enjoy it
got the friendly roll. All right, everybody, welcome back to the program. That audio was courtesy of the NBA on ESPN, and that was Zion Williamson and the rest of his teammates from the New Orleans Pelicans uh, in action this past week against the Brooklyn Nets. I have a gentleman on the program that covers the Pelicans, the ins and outs of the team and things going on in the city of New Orleans. Let's welcome him to the program. He's a contributor for Ford Sports and also the host of the podcast, Unfiltered Dunks. Let's welcome him to the program, Christopher Dodson. And Chris, welcome aboard. Hey, Ed, thanks for having me on. I appreciate you uh, bringing me onto the show. I enjoyed listening to it. Thank you so much, man, and thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to be on the program. So let's jump right to it. The highlight that you heard earlier, of course, was Zion Williamson and the rest of the New Orleans Pelicans in action. Let's start off with Zion for a moment. We're currently in year two of the Zion era in New Orleans. In your opinion, Chris, what is the difference between Zion in year two and Zion from year one? Uh, well, the difference is he's not on a minutes restriction. He's really comfortable with uh, his new form and function, the way they've the Aaron Nelson and the performance training staff has altered his body, so to speak, through the strength and training program, through altering his uh, just his running form. It, you can you can see a difference literally in his gait when he, he takes off and explodes. And Zion's just more comfortable, and he's got more support, really. Uh, we heard that clip. You said all the Pelicans. I mean, they were missing Josh Hart and B.I. and a few other players. Like, Zion's – it was a tough game against the Nets, let's be honest, in, in, for the rest of that clip, in, the rest of the game. But uh, with Zion, he's just got more support, and he's got more of a comfort zone, comfort level built up with this team. And that's why you're seeing an MVP season – from a second-year player. Let's stay with uh, Zion for a moment. So currently we're in year, year two of the Zion era. And you, we mentioned about uh, some of the Pelicans that were present. There were some Pelicans players that were not present, such as, as you mentioned, with B.I., Brandon Ingram, also Josh Hart. And both of those guys have been vital to the development of the Pelicans, especially during this season. The Western Conference, Chris, is tough. I mean, you've got the Lakers, the Clippers, you've got the Suns, Utah. You've also got the Nuggets and the Trailblazers. You know, we're coming down the home stretch towards the end of the regular season, and we're coming into that playoff push. Chris, I've got to ask you, do you think the Bells have a chance of pending the return of uh, B.I. And, and, and Josh Hart? Do you think the Pelicans somehow have a chance to maybe uh, get that eight spot or possibly get that seven spot, you know, considering with the way Dallas has played and the way Maverick, uh, Memphis has turned it up as of late? Uh, right now, they're 1% chance for the 7th spot. I think we can all write that off because of the way it's structured. It'd be the 7th and 8th seed playing each other for the 7th spot. So the Pelicans would have to finish the, the season in the 8th seed, and that that's just not happening, in my opinion. They're only chasing that 10th spot, which is very much in play. They play Golden State three times in the last two weeks. They're only two games back of Golden State. For the rest of the month, they only play four teams with a reigning record. Uh, they play Philadelphia tonight. If anybody's you know hearing this on the Friday, we're going live with it. They they play Philadelphia tonight, and then they only play four winning teams the rest of the month. Golden State has a little bit tougher record. Uh, they're also in the chase with the Kings. They play the Kings next Tuesday, and I mean the next five games, the Pelicans play nothing but teams with less with losing records. So there's no reason. They shouldn't have the best player on the court every night. That means usually you can win the ball game in the NBA. 
He should have some support coming back. B.I. should be back. Uh, Josh Hart, we won't see for the rest of the season now that he's had surgery. He flew up to New York and had thumb surgery uh, just a couple days ago. So I don't think they'll be rushing him back to chase the 10th seed at all. But it's very much in play. What we're seeing right now this week with Brooklyn and this game against Philly tonight is how far this team has to go to be a real championship contender. And, and that's a good thing to see no matter how we go about it. Wow. Let, let's stay now, as you said, with our championship, uh, being a championship contender. So in the West, again, the teams that we mentioned earlier, there's supposed the Lakers, Clippers, uh, Utah, Phoenix, and then there's Denver, then you got Portland, and there's Dallas, and Memphis, and of course, San Antonio and Golden State. Moving forward, I, I know, um, I'm going to get more to the trade deadline for a moment. But what do you think the Pel- the Pelicans need to do in order to, to take that next step, in order to make them like a perennial playoff team and will want to attract free agents to come to New Orleans? Uh, literally just wait a year. Look at the teams you mentioned. Golden State, old, broken down. Uh, Portland, that, that backcourt is just too small for the postseason. And past that, you have a youth movement. Uh, yeah, Devin Booker's carrying uh, – Phoenix with CP3, but Chris Paul will be out of the league pretty soon. And past that, you've got Luka, Zion, Ingram, Tatum in the East, Trey in the East, surely, uh, Jokic, Murray. You've got a, a youth movement coming up. And really, the only two established teams in the next few years will be, to me, the Nets, depending on how they age, and the Nuggets, depending on if they keep that team together. So the Pelicans really just have to stay the course. They have the assets. They can make a trade. They have Zion. They have Ingram. They've got a bunch of young other players that are showing their potential. They can hold down Lonzo in restricted free agency. And even if he doesn't work out, that's a contract that will be easily movable for a piece that that fits better, that the team believes will fit better. Same for Adams. I mean, this team is built structurally. I cover the team for Forbes. I look mostly at the money. Looking at their wage structure, they can do anything they want the next few years, whether it be attracting a free agent, uh, or trading for a player who they they probably couldn't acquire in free agency, but has a couple couple years left, and they can convince them New Orleans is the place to win because again, it's a youth movement in the Western Conference. Once LeBron retires and CP three retires, because it, I'm not worried about Golden State or Portland at all with the Pelicans currently constructed. All right, and let's stay with the, the the future going forward. You mentioned at the NBA, you see it as being a youth movement, and, right, and rightfully so, with the likes of, of Devin Booker, also Jamal Murray, and Nikola Jokic. But um, there was some, uh, uh, Chris, there was some rumblings in the Pelicans front office as of late. Of course, the trade deadline has passed, and J.J. Redick made a request to Pelicans management that he wanted to be traded either to New York or maybe a team down uh, somewhere along, uh, along the I-95 corridor. He didn't get his wish. He was traded to the Dallas Mavericks. And since that trade, when the trade happened, he went on his podcast, he went on several media outlets and said that uh, Pelicans management was no good and they betrayed him and things of that nature. Can you kind of go more into detail about how the J.J. Reddick situation went down and will this impact the uh, future free agents? considering going into New Orleans and the future of Zion and beyond staying in the city. Yeah, first, uh, I've written about this over at Forbes. Anybody that wants to check the archive, Forbes.com, just backslash Christopher Dodson, you can find it. It's one of the newer newer articles. Obviously, it's one of the most recent pieces of news to come out of the, the New Orleans Pelicans and their front office. But J.J. Reddick 
surely one he put in the trade request back in november he didn't even want to come to training camp uh, david griffin and the coaching staff talked him down here because riddick had a rapport with stan van gundy from their time back in orlando he saw the roster he thought hey maybe if everything breaks right this is a four or five seed maybe a three seed that can sneak in there and, and really cause some damage and if it doesn't work out uh, he he says the front office promised him a trade to certain teams, but those teams have to make an offer. Uh, if JJ's playing his worst uh, of his 16 years in the league, it, nobody's going to really make an offer that's worth much until you find somebody that's desperate like Dallas, who they're holding on. They want to get that six seed, not fall into the play, you know, playing spot, which they're still fighting on at the seventh seed. Uh, but they, I mean. They're facing injuries. They gotta they gotta support Luca the same way we've got to support Zion. They're just a few steps further in their development into Luca's contract. So a trade for JJ made perfect sense for them. And that's why David Griffin did it, and he did it in a way that it looked out for the team. It's looking out for Zion's best interest. To tackle the second part of your question, no, I don't think any agent is gonna avoid New Orleans because of JJ Reddick. I mean not to touch on the racial dynamic of it all, but there's also the money side of it. There's the, there's the, what stage are you in your contract, in your career? Zion's got a few years left. This team was always going to do what was in its best interest for the next 10 years, rather looking back on the past for a player that had only been here for really 10 months. And, and half of that was spent in the bubble. So JJ Reddick to me was a little bit spoiled. He, he gave his side of it. One day we'll get David Griffith's side of it. I doubt we'll see a media tour. I think you'll see a statement or maybe just a question asked uh, formally through probably Pelicans PR, Jim Eichenhofer, staging a question, giving it to him, letting him tackle the problem and issue, and then letting that drama die down because, I mean, the Pelicans are in drama before the trade deadline since Griffin got here, starting with the Anthony Davis trade, through to after this last trade deadline with what we're talking about now with, with J.J. Redick and the Drew. And it's going to come again with Lonzo. So expect more drama, but I don't think what J.J. Redick said did and went scorched earth on uh, David Griffin and this front office. I, I don't think that'll hold much weight. And in 10 years, when Trajan Langan and J.J. meet up at Duke for some sort of alumni, they'll kind of pass it off, have a drink, and say, yeah, in the moment, maybe maybe we both could have did a little bit more or less in J.J.'s case and what he said to get him where he wanted. But again, J.J.'s having not his greatest season. Uh, so what can you really do? Yeah, you're right about that. I guess, again, not just in life, but it translates over even into professional sports. Sometimes we don't always get what we want. And definitely, as you said, they had to do, the Pelicans had to do what was best for the organization. I mean, he had his, he had his trade demands, but as you said, they had to look 10 years down the line, protecting Zion, you know, which is a, a once-in-a-lifetime and a, a definite franchise player in the making. Let's stay just with um, long-term going forward with the Pelicans, Lonzo Ball. Again, the trade deadline has passed, and well, the trade deadline has passed, and his name, well, I mean, his name was circulating really before the trade deadline, kind of around the time when J.J. Reddick requested a trade back in November. What's the status on Lonzo? Does he still want to be in New Orleans, or is he still going to weigh out his options according to the offseason? Uh, he's definitely going to weigh out his options. There's a contract that he wants, and and you know he may get it, he may not. He'll probably have to meet in the middle. 
But, I mean, look at the JJ thing and wanting somebody to trade for you or Lonzo and the contract you want. Me and you both, Ed, I'm pretty sure would really love it if ESPN called up, say, Forbes or your podcast and radio station and said, hey, we'd like we'd like to trade for that talent. But they've got to actually make the offer. Somebody has to give Lonzo that contract for the Pelicans to match it. Somebody had to give a trade package for J.J. for the Pelicans to even accept it. And most of that didn't come in. I don't think Lonzo will get the max contract that he wants. Uh, he's traded, changed representation and agents agencies three times in the last year, or a little over a year, I believe. Uh, but he still has to have another team come in and give him that offer. And until that happens, he's kind of on the Pelicans' You know, the Pelicans still hold that leverage. One, they can match most anything. I think they will match up to, you know, 20, 22 million a year. Past that, eh, signing trades are difficult, but they're an option. And if he does get the max, hey, thank you for your contributions. We appreciate all the highlights that, you know, you threw those lobs up for Zion. You'll never be in the picture when we do the, you know, Zion Memorial video when we retire his jersey. It'll just be the ball in the air. But, hey, enjoy your max contract. That's that's where I put Lonzo, but I think he does fit this team. His his dad had some quotes that was put out there that people took out of context uh, that was misquoted by a site that I decided not to mention anymore because they've just been terrible with that kind of stuff. But Lonzo, he is not a bigger big. He's not the biggest fan of New Orleans, the city. But everybody in New Orleans has got their problems with New Orleans. We all wish they fixed the roads. We all wish some things would flood, drain properly. I mean, we all wish there was a few more entertainment options besides Bourbon Street and the casino to tourists, and that's all you get asked about. So Lonzo's used to a lot bigger metropolitan area and a lot more metropolitan style of off-the-court living. However, however, all those lobs and highlights and dunks to Zion, I don't think there's another team Zion really wants to play for, except for maybe going back home to L.A., but when it comes to free agency, it's going to take a lot to get him to leave this team because he's got so much built in with B.I. Josh Hart's going to come back more than likely. Zion and him have just hit it off so well. I don't think there's a better situation for him, and I think he'll see that. He'll put in his time, come spend you know, six months out of the year in New Orleans, and the rest of the time he'll be in L.A. either way. That's, that's where I think Lonzo's going to wind up this offseason. Well, I'm going to tell you, it's never, never a dull moment with Lonzo. It's definitely never a dull moment with his uh, dad, LeVar, and the Ball family. I'll tell you that. Stay tuned for that. And speaking of uh, another talent, you mentioned uh, Zion. Uh, we've seen Chris Paul, who was uh, phenomenal during his time in New Orleans. He was traded. Anthony Davis had a, a topsy-turvy run in New Orleans. He had his moments, and he was traded. Zion Williamson. Uh, do you believe, Chris, that Zion Williamson will be in the Big Easy for the long haul, or do you think it's a, a time-will-tell situation? Uh, he's definitely here for six years, more than likely seven years. Uh, that's the same as just getting him through his second contract. But you've got to look at the situations. One, Chris Paul was traded when this team had different ownership. The Benson ownership, can't speak more highly of them. 
Uh, they've really taken the Pelicans to a new level as far as off the court investment into the performance training center into making sure players are feeling comfortable in the city and making sure that the coaching and support staff is there 24 seven to help them. And there's more bodies. Uh, Fred Vinson, keeping him around, keeping him happy. Aaron Nelson, everything he's done. Uh, I think the players will see that. Uh, Zion is definitely going to appreciate how much time they put in and how patient that they were with his knee last year in a few years when he's really starting to feel the toll of carrying a team for 82 games plus the playoffs. He, he's really going to appreciate those few extra months that they took time to get his knee right. And it, it, look at the AD situation. If there's a what if, so it's always a time will tell, but if what if Boogie Cousins does not chase that free throw, he doesn't get hurt. And now the Pelicans are in the playoffs and they really make a run of the conference finals. That that's a situation where AD cannot do anything but resign. Same for Cousins. He would have got a max contract. That was the whole plan was get Cousins, pair him with AD and Drew, let them go on a big run, and then everybody's going to come back because they see this as a championship team. That kind of fell apart through injuries. So we have to make sure that Zion and the team is safe, you know, healthy. But this this is a new front office. They they've got the lessons of the past to learn from they've got the assets to build out one more depth rotational player one more star player so that an injury to one player doesn't necessarily take down the whole team uh you know unless it's of course zion bi you really got to look at that but that is, nobody wants to think about that more to the point is that they have the assets to build out this team one step further than the last generation the last front office the last era went and so one step further past that means they keep Zion for a third contract and at least a full 10 years. What about B.I.? I mean, we know uh, Brandon Ingram, he's the, I mean, we, we saw flashes of his talent with the Los Angeles Lakers, but when he was traded to New Orleans, man, he really came of age. Of course, he was, he won the, uh, the league's most improved player a year ago, and he got rewarded with that Supermax contract. We know Zion can't do it by himself, but we've seen uh, Brandon really take over uh, last year, and we've seen him do it so far this year, you know, despite the injuries that he's had. What's, what do you see uh, the future with B.I. going forward? I think in three years you'll see or look at B.I. playing in the conference finals, and you'll remember Kevin Durant in OKC, and, and that's that's – honestly, where I see Brandon Ingram's talent going. Everybody's made the Kevin Durant comparisons, but I think on the court, how's it going to look? It's going to look like Durant uh, did when he was leading OKC. Uh, past that, if he can keep that up, we've got two all-stars on this team. We'll always be in the playoffs. But Ingram loves the, loves the laid-back nature of the city, maybe perhaps more than Lonzo to speak to that. He's more of a country boy from North Carolina, he doesn't mind some good eating. He can go down to Canal Street, grab his do-rags, grab him three, four hundred at a time. Nobody really bothers him. He, you know, gets his shots out and he goes on the court. He's a silent sniper. He gets his his quick 20, 20 points. Sometimes he might drop a 40 ball. And and that's that's what you get with BI. And it, it I think it, it's telling that both the team and Ingram signed a full five-year deal with no team or player option at the end. That tells me that unless everything falls apart, B.I.'s here for at least four years. And if not, you know, at that point, you have to think contract extension 
or a trade, depending on what other stars and injuries and all the other what-ups that could come about. But we've got Ingram and Zion both here for the next four years. This front office really has a stable foundation and the assets to build something special. If they fail to do so, then they'll probably be replaced in four to five years because David Griffin's only got three years left on his contract. Well, so I think you keep those two together, man, because it's definitely uh, something in the making with Zion and uh, Brandon. I mean, New Orleans definitely needs it. And if you keep those two guys young, they haven't even hit their prime yet. So definitely, hopefully, uh, some awesome way they can be together for a long time and make a run in the Western Conference. And let's stay with just the city of New Orleans for a moment. We know, Christopher, that New Orleans traditionally is a football town. It's, it's a football city. The Saints were, the Saints were first, and then uh, the New New Orleans has a history of basketball as, as early as the ABA's New Orleans Buccaneers and then later the NBA's New Orleans Jazz. And then, of course, we know the long absence that uh, the NBA had from New Orleans returning in the late 90s, early 2000s. What do you, what do you think the future is of, of the NBA being in New Orleans? Hey, shout out for knowing about the Buccaneers, bro. Shout out for that. That's love right there. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. But, yeah, New Orleans uh, basketball is here to stay. I think, uh, I mean, Gail, Gail Benson, LaToya, they get into little scuffles, you know, with the Saints and the Pelicans and, like, trying to open the stadium. But look at how both of them responded when the Seattle mayor said something about wanting our basketball team. The mayor of Seattle might want to pick a fight with LaToya Cantrell because she can be voted out of office. But Gail Benson, the New Orleans Pelicans, and the New Orleans Saints are, are the first two are, you know, the Saints and the Benson family are institutions here, and the Pelicans are slowly becoming that. They, they're they're getting more ingrained. It's getting more where if you see Pelicans gear, and if even if it's unlicensed, it better not have the Saints fleur de lis on it. It better have the Pelicans fleur de lis on it. And the more and more it gets like that, the more and more Zion and Ingram win, the more you'll see this team uh, grow more important to the region. I've always said that the further you get away from New Orleans, the more important the Pelicans are, especially since they had Anthony Davis and, and Zion. I mean, you can go to Malaysia and Thailand or you know, any other foreign country, and you might see Zion on a, on a poster in the airport. That's not, the, not, that's not true for the Saints. So the more they grow it regionally, and it's been happening in a big way, uh, a lot of the sponsorships, the, the the Saints and Pelicans both are requiring a lot more community engagement. That that's just going to grow so much. So the Pelicans are going to grow into an institution in New Orleans, not to the Saints level, but to a way that you don't want to come play the play, Pelicans in the playoffs on Halloween or something in the Smoothie King Center or whatever it gets renamed to in a few years. You're not going to want to do that because it's going to be a raucous crowd with a lot of passion behind it. You know, you mentioned uh, looking at posters, having Zion posters being visible in Malaysia and other foreign countries. The NBA has always been a global game, especially since the 80s with Magic and Bird and Dr. J and, of course, Michael Jordan just taking it to a whole other level. So the NBA, as you said, the, the NBA has done its part making it such a global game. And then again, with, you know, the Pelicans doing their part regionally, definitely important right there. So it's, it's interesting that you brought up the global reach of Zion and the Pelicans and what, what the league has done. A lighthearted question: What are some of uh, Zion? What are, what are some of Zion and Brandon's favorite dishes since they've been in the city? 
Oh, they've mentioned going down to a few spots in the quarter. They mentioned Commander's Palace, which everybody, if you ever come to the city, spend the money, go to Commander's Palace, wait in line if you need to. Uh, Superior uh, Oyster Bar Grill is down that way. Uh, that's a good spot, especially for the happy hour, half off oysters. You can come some kind of spot, spot them in there. Uh, I know that Drew Holiday and JJ Reddick both hit up Blue Oak Barbecue. It's it's they've won awards. They've traveled around the country, around the world, going to competitions. So that's that's you know three spots if you're ever in the city, come stop by. You, you'll you, you might see somebody. What about I know uh, Lonzo's always been very critical of the city. Do you know whatever his some of his favorite dishes since he's been in the city? Uh, I I couldn't really speak to that too much. To, to be honest, I hadn't heard him really speak on it on like podcast or even answer the questions really uh, in media day uh, last year. The you know before COVID when we had media day. Uh, well, not last year, twenty nineteen. I mean, everybody had an answer. I mean, we talked about Jackson Hayes, not to get off Lonzo, but we talked to Jackson Hayes and Nicolo Melli, and it's funny. People go back and listen to the clip. It's Nicolo Melli is hilarious. The way that Jackson, they come in, Jackson Hayes come in first, depending on how you see it in the YouTube clip. Jackson comes in first, does his 15-minute session, talks about how he loves his sushi joint uh, over on the West Bank, I believe. And then... Melly comes in and starts messing with him, and they're going back and forth about sushi joints. And Melly says, no, sir, uh, Jackson, I'm married. We like different sushi joints. And we still haven't figured out what that joke was about. But after that, we kind of – we I'm not going to say the media contingent shied away from it, but we didn't press too much on the food once in which the sushi and the marriage. and uh, So I can't say right offhand that I remember where Lonzo eats, but that was a good, good, funny little – anecdotal story from the last media day uh i'll never forget it awesome to hear this media day is always a lot of fun just kind of i call it a great way to break the ice so again uh um jack uh uh, chris i want to ask you uh the smoothie king center which is home of the nba's pelicans before COVID had hit what were they averaging in attendance from the the last say the last five seasons well, the Pelicans don't have the biggest arena, so they don't draw as far as attendance numbers in the top half. I believe they were just topping out at 15K in a 17K building. But when you get to 85, 92% capacity every night, again, speaking to how much the Pelicans have grown regionally and bringing, bringing customers in, even on random week weekdays, Tuesday, Wednesday night games, uh, the Pelicans have a capacity number in the top half. So as far as fan loyalty, fan safety, again, I've done stories on this, uh, both for the Superdome and the Smoothie King Center. Uh, it's been a few months back on the Forbes archive, but the Pelicans are are drawing a more loyal, passionate fan base and audience than half of the NBA is the easiest way to say it. Uh, if they had a bigger building, that may not be the case, supply and demand being what it is, but this is New Orleans. If you wear New Orleans on your chest and you play for the city and you do it in a way that that they appreciate, they'll turn out for you. Even if you turn up, you know, with a losing record at the end, if you wind up losing by three or four, New Orleans will still be there for you. And that's proven the case in the Smoothie King Center uh, since since Anthony Davis was drafted, really. Solid. And uh, again, you heard it from him. He's Christopher Dodson. He's definitely a man of the, the jack of all trades covering the New Orleans Pelicans. Now, uh, before I let you go, Chris, tell everybody what you do. As you, you mentioned earlier, that one of the things that you do is that you 
cover um, finances, covering money in the world of sports. You are a contributor for Forbes Sports, so just go a little bit into detail about what you do with Forbes. Yeah, basically, I look at the game through a lens of uh, financial perspectives, players' perspectives. When I first come to New Orleans, uh, I wasn't writing about the X's and O's. I was looking more at the contract and the financials. But also, uh, looking at players as people, and I don't think we do that enough in in the media in general. I think that that's also the case in politics, uh, which is what my background is. But we look at, say, politicians as these entities that are from a different universe, and they just wind up being that. No, they're still people. The players are still players. They're not betting commodities. And that's a, a, that's a big financial component of the game is betting. I look at that, too, and, and money swings. But uh, it was looking more at Josh Hart and his podcast and how he built out that network uh, was one of the first things I did to look at players as people, show what they're doing with their finances. Uh, another off-the-court thing, another cut and sew uh, on the roster is Kickstradamus. I think everybody listening to this would be familiar with Kickstradamus. He's done all the custom sneakers for all the players in the NBA just did an article about him and his what he's doing to branch out his media empire and how he's doing it and putting a personal touch and bringing his son into the game. And I think, again, I think that's something we need more of. I hope people appreciate it. I, I surely try and keep in mind who and what I'm writing about, not just the dollar figures attached to it. And, and yeah, so that's, that's what I'm doing there. I also do a podcast called Unfiltered Dunks. It's Protect the Nest Production. Got to name it Protect the Nest because it's Pelicans related. And then I cover a lot of the rest of the NBA, the WNBA, and other general topics over at musicmoviesandhoops.com. We do giveaways with like graded Zion cards and all that. So if you're into that kind of stuff, come check us out. Awesome. And again, you're definitely a jack of all trades. And of course, is definitely doing this thing with not just with Ford Sports, but also with the Unfiltered Dunks podcast. I want to get back to Ford for a moment. You co- again, you said you cover. Sport, you cover uh, sports from a financial perspective. You're, again, you're, you're connected to the NBA. And I want to ask you, can you explain to the listeners out there just about guaranteed money in the NBA as opposed to being paid by guaranteed money in, in other in other professional sports leagues? Well, yeah, they all have the different unions. I mean, if you sign a contract in the in baseball, that you're getting your money. In the NBA, if you sign a contract for a certain amount for a certain amount of years, you're getting that guaranteed money. The NFL, there's a lot of stipulations, qualifiers, uh, and, and you know, just different different things that can reduce the amount of money you have, the amount of years you have to prove that you're worth that. And I see, I, I don't know how the NFL is going to get around that without having another labor strike. But that's their problem. Looking at how the money might affect the NBA, uh, look at the Pelicans through their lens. They went from no nobody in the arena, basically, you know, friends and family, very spaced out, to 1,500, 2,500, now 4,000. Every time they added those 1,500 seats, they added like $3.5 million in revenue. But just through different advertisers paying a different fee because there's different bodies in there seeing the, the signage, there's different – concessions and you know when tickets were very limited they were going for high dollar you know you couldn't get a ticket for less than a few hundred bucks and most of that was going through the team if you look that through throughout the whole league every game a few million dollars depending on you know arena capacity you're adding to the amount of money that the the salary cap will go up next year or the year after that when they actually start incrementary raising it out of the uh, covid budget but that's what that's how increased capacity 
directly relates not only to fan experience, but revenue coming into the team and then eventually to the players' pockets in those guaranteed contracts. Sweet. Thank you so much for that explanation. So again, Chris, before we let you go, tell everybody where they can find you on social media and also tell them where they can find Forum Sports as well as Unfiltered Dunks. Also, the web, the, uh, the, the, uh, the website that you mentioned about what you do with uh, pertaining to music, movies, and sports and any website to let them know that as well. Yeah, that last one is just movie, uh, movies, music, and hoops. Just type that in, and that's that's all we cover. Music, movies, hoops, but it's any kind of hoops. We've had on, like, college coaches, high school coaches, junior college coaches, different players. Uh, we had an interview with, if anybody's a fan of the ESPN 30 for 30 series, we had on uh, Chip Rives, who did the uh, – he was director of the Five Slamma Jamma uh, episode. So stuff like that happens over at Music Movies and Hoops. You can find me on Twitter, just doing doing it Dodson or Unfiltered Dunks is the uh, Twitter accounts. And yeah, search for Unfiltered Dunks podcast. We bring all the coaches on, a few players. We're having on a bunch of other stuff. Some big news coming next week that I can't really get ahead of, but just come give us a listen over there, and, and we appreciate it. And you heard it from him. He is Christopher Dodson. He's a contributor for Forbes Sports. Also, he is the host of the Unfiltered Dunks podcast. And also, he has a website. Check it out. It's called Movies, Music, and Hoops. So check that out and check him out on the various social media platforms. And also check out Unfiltered Dunks on the various streaming platforms. That's Anchor, Spotify, also Radio Public, Google Podcasts, wherever you are, listen to your uh, podcast. Chris, thank you so much, my man. If ever you want to come back on, just feel free to let us know. Oh, man, anytime. Would love to. I'll have to get you on the Unfiltered Podcast very soon. Like I say, that news breaking next week, and then we we ramping back up. But we had two, three releases this week. We'll have a few more next week. And, hey, man, again, appreciate you. Much love. Thanks for coming on. And really much love for knowing about the Buccaneers, bro. <laughs> You're welcome, hey, man. I, I know about my little NBA history, man. Thank you so much, man. And then thank you again for taking time out of your busy schedule. And then we'll be back with more right after this. Had an impact on, on Nicholas Jackson, who I thought was playing excellent basketball. He's gone from 19 minutes per game to 12 as Zion gets base lumped. Over to Bledsoe, working against Green. Nice little step back midi is good of Endorse. That was a nice little pass behind his back. Hey Pelicans fans, thanks again for coming back and listening to the Unfiltered Dunks podcast with me, you got Dodson over at Forbes Sports and Music Movies and Hoops. Just had an article come out, this profile kicks your Damas, the guy that did some stuff for Josh Hart shoes. They're both cut and sew, uh, you know, they're both on the cut and sew roster. So go check that out, support your people. And uh, go check out Music Movies and Hoops on Twitter and Instagram. We're giving away a graded mint Zion Williamson rookie card. You know that's something going to go up in value. We got some shirts, some other some other uh, cards for you. So give us a five-star review. Go check us out. Leave a comment, and you are automatically entered into the contest to win the cards. You don't have to do anything else, but we do appreciate you checking us out. Thanks again.